Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Hello, hello, gang. Today is a huge day in the context of the 2024 election. We might not know the net impact, the net effect of what's about to unfold beginning in 25 minutes, uh, but I think we're going to get some signs. I'm making reference to an argument that's about to transpire in the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, unfortunately, and this is just horrible, and as I tweeted and placed on X within the last 20 minutes, it's a disgrace that the best we'll be able to do is listen and that we can't actually watch. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm monitoring the cable outlets as I'm speaking to you here on POTUS, and I'm wondering how they're going to handle this because I see my colleague Laura Coates on CNN right now, and my good friend Ellie Honig, whose analysis I want to bring to you in just a couple of minutes' time, they're doing kind of a breaking news special on the argument pertaining to Trump's uh, challenge of the January 6th prosecution, and they're in the same boat that I'm in, in that there will be an audio feed, but there won't be any video. Correct. Okay, well, if you're listening to POTUS Perfect. and I play audio, right. like that seems to make sense. Correct. But what do you do if you're MSNBC? Because there's the Chiron Trump to arrive soon for D.C. appeals court hearing or CNN. Are they going to just put up images and bring you the audio? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't that. know. What a great programming and, question. And, and not only not only today, because this is hugely consequential, but the same issue will present itself on February 8th in the Supreme Court of the United States. It's not fun to watch audio. I think that they've got to do something different. Well, I mean, it's it's like, you know, you're halfway in. Why not go the full distance and let us watch the body language? Donald Trump, former President Trump, is soon to arrive. He's going to monitor this. The arguments typically in the Court of Appeals, TC, I would be surprised if this exceeded 90 minutes. But the time that I'm off air today, this argument certainly will have concluded. So um, and listen, here's what's important. And, and please give me wide berth to, to explain this, if I may, because I'm, I'm caught up on it. I'm totally into it. And I want you to appreciate the significance of today's events. It's not so much for the outcome, because I'll tell you right up front, I think Donald Trump loses at the appellate level. It's not whether Trump's going to win. I mean, if Donald Trump were to be successful with an immunity claim saying that he could not be held criminally criminally uh, liable because he has immunity for anything that transpired during his presidency, I'd be floored 
if his double jeopardy claim, meaning, hey, one of my impeachment trials was for January 6th related uh, allegation, I'd be shocked. In my view, he's going to lose at the appellate level. I'm watching my words carefully because when I say appellate level, I don't just mean today. I mean when today has run its consequence. No. You want to appear smart at the water cooler today or, you know, in your home office? It's the timing. It's the timing. It's the bigger question of whether Donald Trump is going to be tried before Election Day. Will there be a finding in any court, in any of these four criminal proceedings, before Americans can cast their ballots? Is he, is he going to have his fate determined by a jury of his peers before the electorate gets their say? So that's the big picture framing. What's going on today? All right. So the briefs have already been submitted. And beginning in about 20 minutes time, lawyers for former President Trump and those of the DOJ reporting to special counsel Jack Smith are going to square off in front of a three-judge panel of the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. So this is, as I've referred to it before, this is like AAA ball for the Supreme Court. This is a very consequential because of where they sit, which determines, you know, the type of cases that they hear. This is a very important appellate court. This is where Merrick Garland came from. And a three judge panel, all female, by the way, one Republican, are going to hear oral argument. I imagine maybe you can look this up. They'll probably afford each side 20 minutes. And what's most important are the questions during the course of those arguments. Normally, when you're arguing in front of an appellate court like this, much like the Supreme Court, you don't get too far into your argument. They're not just going to sit there passively, I would expect. But I may be wrong. Every court is different. Um, So it'll be a three-judge panel of the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. And here's what's at issue. Whether Trump has immunity for conduct that he undertook as president and or cannot otherwise face prosecution because it would represent double jeopardy, meaning I was impeached twice, there were trials, Uh, in the end I was not convicted by the Senate, but one of those trials pertained to January 6th, and where I was not convicted there, this would be double jeopardy if I'm tried again. That's the legal issue. But what I maintain is most important is the timing. What sets this up is that The trial court judge, Judge Chutkin, Judge Tanya Chutkin, has determined that she can't move forward with her trial until these issues are resolved. She entered an order. It was on December 13. Her order followed her rejection of Trump making these claims. So he's lost at the trial court level. And he's taken an appeal to the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, she entered an order on December 13. She said that Trump's appeal automatically stays any further proceedings that would otherwise move the case toward trial. So the normal pretrial back and forth discovery activities overseen by the judge between the prosecution representing the United States and Donald Trump, the defendant in this case, all of that is frozen in time. But that stay could be lifted after the outcome of this argument 
the losing side is definitely going. We're not going to get a judgment today. We're not going to get a ruling today. Let me make that really clear. Like we're not. There will not be a uh, an announcement that this three judge panel today has found for one side or the other. How much time they will take, I don't know. I wouldn't expect it to be months in this circumstance. They're already moving at a rapid clip in terms of how quickly they've heard this case. But the losing side here is going to appeal for sure to the Supreme Court. And that is, in all likelihood, if I'm right, that Trump's going to lose. Trump will initially ask the Court of Appeals on banc, meaning all members of the court, to weigh in on this. Is that guaranteed to happen? It's not. Do I expect it probably would? I would think so. I would think that on a matter of this consequence, the the entire Court of Appeals would want to have a say. So the three judge the three judge panel hears the argument today. They will make a ruling at some point in the future. Then uh, the losing side work with me here and let's just assume that it's Trump has 45 days for ask to ask for the court on bank to hear the matter and then the court on bank if they if they do hear the matter then there would need to be an argument scheduled that argument takes place then they need to issue a ruling okay do you hear the tick 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 of the clock and then ultimately when the court of appeals has resolved whatever it is they're going to do. Now the losing side, think Trump, has 90 days to take an appeal to the Supreme Court. And what I maintain is most important is what does Judge Chutkin do during that time period? Does she do anything? Does she resume her pretrial activities? Does she resume putting this case on the docket? Because right now... It's set for March the 4th. So what's most important is how much time it's going to take until this case runs the gamut. Because I maintain that of the four trials Donald Trump faces, two in federal court, one in Florida for the Mar-a-Lago documents, the judge in that case just doesn't seem inclined to, to move that quickly to trial before Election Day. So there's that. There's Fonnie Willis in Georgia. I think some of what takes place in this argument today pertains to the Georgia case as well, even though it's a state case. And then hanging out there is also Alvin Bragg with the uh, porn star payoff case. That's a New York state case. This is the one that's most perilous to Donald Trump. Why? Because this is the one that could get to trial before Election Day. And by the way, If the process that I've just laid out for you causes this case to get delayed, then it becomes really interesting. What does Alvin Bragg do with the Stormy Daniels case? And here's a question for you all to think about. If Donald Trump, there's so many things that I'm, I'm, I'm eager to discuss. If Donald Trump were to face only one trial before Election Day, and if that trial were the porn star payoff case, Regardless of the outcome, even if he's convicted, would it help or hurt him? And the reason that I say that is because I think there is, I believe, and I said it when Alvin Bragg first indicted Trump, we knew that there were these other investigations taking place. And I said at the time, and I I stand by it, that the the well was kind of poisoned because the first impression that many people 
we're able to form of Donald Trump being criminally prosecuted was him being criminally prosecuted for seven year old facts in a case where, by all accounts, prosecutors had to engage in legal gymnastics to make it a felony to be able to be brought against Donald Trump in a way that that was unprecedented. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Michael Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So if all of a sudden we get close to the election and Donald Trump is on trial, and what's he on trial for? He's on trial because, because of a campaign elections violation, a bookkeeping uh, allegation of how he paid off a porn star. And that's the impression that the country would have a, well, hey, what are all these investors? I haven't been paying attention. What what are they going after him for? Oh, because he paid off Stormy Daniels? Really? And we're in the thick of an election right now, and he's got the Republican nomination secure? I think it could end up benefiting him politically in a way that all of these indictments have benefited him politically. Okay, back to Judge Chutkin. So the stay that she has entered could be lifted after we get word from the three-judge panel. Just don't know. What we know for sure is that the losing side is going to take an appeal to the Supreme Court after first asking for the full court on bonk. That's if it's Trump. That's if it's Trump. If it were Jack Smith, Jack Smith would just want to wrap it up in a hurry and probably wouldn't even ask for an on bonk review. Why delay? As I've explained here before, Smith is eager to get Trump tried before the election. Trump, on the other hand, wants to run out the clock. He hopes to win the presidency and then use the power of his office to say to DOJ, that prosecution ends 
or to self-pardon or to do both. And so the question is, how likely is it that Trump is tried before the election? If, if in the unlikely scenario, he wins his immunity or double jeopardy argument, then this case is over. This case ends. Obviously, Jack Smith would fight uh, that outcome. But what if Trump loses in the Court of Appeals and that decision is promptly announced? It means that he can then wait the three months, right, 45 days to, to ask on bonk, and then three months thereafter before the Supreme Court would feel obligated to hear his appeal. And by then, the Republican nomination fight will likely be long over, and it would conceivably take the Supreme Court weeks, if not months, to resolve the matter. And only then could the case be returned to Judge Chutkin for trial, making it highly unlikely that Trump's going to get tried before the election. By the way, Donald Trump just arrived at the courthouse. I'm watching an SUV uh, pull up outside the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. So that's what's going on. In my opinion, it's not so much about the outcome as it is How quickly is this all going to be resolved? And there was a a relatively new wrinkle that was brought to light within the last two weeks that I also want to make sure you're informed about because there's one way that I see this could move very quickly and all of those timelines that I laid out don't come to fruition. And it's this, the Court of Appeals accepted an amicus or friend of the court brief And it was from a group calling itself American Oversight, lawyers for a very prestigious Washington, D.C. firm called Arnold and Porter are behind this effort. They make a claim that now we're really going to go into the weeds, that the Court of Appeals doesn't have any jurisdiction. they, They have no jurisdiction to even hear what's about to transpire because there was this 1989 Supreme Court case in which Justice Scalia wrote for a unanimous court. And if you apply that precedent to this argument, then they have no jurisdiction. What would that mean? It would mean that if the panel today finds that persuasive, it could immediately return the case to trial before Judge Chutkin and Trump would then face a jury of his peers before he faces the electorate. How are we going to know if that if that is a possibility? Well, you're going to know it from the questions of the three judges. That's why it's important, you know, to read the tea leaves and listen to the way in which the questions are asked of the attorneys, because the judges typically uh, tip their hands in a circumstance like this. That is what's going on today in Washington. The relevance is to the timing of Trump being tried, if at all. Before Election Day. And by the way, last thing, if this if I've not already, uh, you know, made your eyes glaze over one more thing to keep in mind, everything I've just told you is different from the Section 3 14th Amendment challenge by Colorado and Maine, which will go before the Supreme Court for argument on February 8th. On February 8th, remember, Jack Smith didn't want this argument to take place today, not because he's afraid of the outcome, 
but because he knew it was going to be a, a, a time delay. He wanted the Supreme Court to, to be, they wanted to leapfrog. The feds wanted to leapfrog and go right to the Supreme Court on the January 6th Tanya Chutkin case. And the Supreme Court refused to do that. Supreme Court is ultimately going to have to weigh in. But they refused to expedite it. But in the case of Colorado, because of the printing of ballot pressure, the Supreme Court is going to hear that on February 8th. they got to know what names to put on the ballots. So there's this today, and then there's what's before the Supreme Court on February 8th. And the Supreme Court will ultimately hear what's going on today in D.C., in my opinion. That's today's argument in front of the Court of Appeals. And, and I'll just I'll end for now where I began, which is, like, it's a disgrace. You've got a right. I, I read earlier today that George Conway, you know, formerly, are they divorced? I'm not sure. Mr. Kellyanne, like, he is, he is a harsh Trump critic. He's standing in line because I think they have two dozen seats, two dozen seats available to the public today. So theoretically, if any of you, it's the sort of thing if I weren't on radio and if I were in D.C., I'd have been there today because I'd love to see this. Theoretically, you could have done what George Conway is doing today or what he's attempting to do. I don't know if he's going to get in. I don't know. Not a lot, not a lot of seats. Not a lot of seats, right? Two dozen seats. But, but theoretically, you could have walked to that courthouse. Some citizens are going to do it. Yes. And it, it just makes my argument that if they have a right, if you have a right to go and sit and watch, then why electronically can't we all watch at home? And the same thing for the Supreme Court on February 8th. It's, it's horrible. I feel that way about this. I feel that way about your township supervisor, your school board, all everything. Everything ought to be open to public inspection. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd be thrilled if uh, you made comments about what I've just offered you and the significance of it. And you might even say to me, Michael, it doesn't even matter. I mean, one one takeaway is for you to say, even if he's convicted, it's not going to matter. I, I think it would be I think it would be hugely consequential if Trump were to be tried in the January 6th case before Election Day. Cameras are not permitted in federal courts, even though the media have made a request in this case for there to be a televising of such a trial. If that ever happened, if they decided they were going to make an exception, given the consequences of this case, all of the networks and all of the cable outlets and and a radio program like mine, everybody would take it in its entirety and the election definitely would be impacted by it. Instead, where there's a system where there's audio being played, and typically in the, at the district court level, you don't even get to hear audio. I don't know what the impact would be. I mean, you know, in, if it's in the federal system and there are no cameras, now you're relying on what everybody walks out, including Trump, and reports to you. So it's not the same. But if it were televised, it would be hugely consequential. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So we're monitoring the argument taking place right now in the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, and we have the benefit of the wisdom and knowledge of our friend, the NBC legal analyst, Danny Savalos. Danny, what are you hearing so far in this argument? Well, it reminds me of a, a law school uh, essay, uh, in, you know, guidance that I got, which is anytime you're before the court or writing a brief, discuss subject matter jurisdiction first. So maybe it's no surprise that the courts out of the gate are discussing the Arnold and Porter uh, amicus brief, uh, because in a way, subject matter jurisdiction, does the court even have the power to hear the case, is something that should always be dispensed with first. After all, nobody wants to do a lot of work. Uh, and then find out that the court never had the power to hear the case in the first place. And the other thing, too, and I know you know this, Michael, it's always interesting to me how, you know, you can't get a feeling. You can't start guessing which way the judges are leaning by their questions because they're there basically to play devil's advocate. So right off the bat, you start and I fall for this, too. You start listening to the judges asking these questions. You think, oh, my gosh, they may be going a particular direction. Doesn't always mean that they're often just playing kind of a role as devil's advocate, although I would say in the last exchange we just heard, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it got heated, but I got the sense that the judge and again, I'm frustrated as you are. I can't tell by voice who's who, uh, but I could tell the judge was reaching a bit of an impasse with the with counsel and that they just respectfully disagree, as counsel put it. But I mean, I love appellate arguments. I love that these are available to the public. I agree with you that everyone should be able to watch this. This should be open to the public in in every possible way, because this is just raw education. And folks, I know, you know, counsel is speaking a little quickly. Some of the concepts are a little uh, sticky, but uh, but this is just fantastic that the American people get to listen to this. Okay, so you think that where where I'm a bit excited because they talked about that Midlands case and I had just shared with the audience this prospect of the American Oversight Group, the Arnold and Porter lawyers, and I'm thinking, wow, maybe they really are going to punt it. But Danny Savalos is here to say they're kind of obligated to deal with that right up front. Yeah, and they might punt it. I mean, I'm not saying they won't, but I'm not surprised that they came out of the gate and addressed it because it falls in the category of does the court even have the power to hear the case? And you may remember from back in, you know, bar exam review that that's what they told you to do. Always discuss 
subject matter jurisdiction one way or another, because it's always at play at all times. So you need to figure out if the court can even hear the case. And it is a really good point. There's a very good reason for this rule that you can't It's called interlocutory appeal. But practically speaking, you can understand if in every criminal case, uh, a criminal tried to get a case dismissed and didn't succeed because in the vast majority of cases, they will not. The case will go forward. And the standard is just so favorable to the government in a motion like that. Well, imagine if every criminal could gum up the works and say, no, you know what? Stop the entire prosecution while I go up to the court of appeals. So that's why you have a rule like this one that says, hey, look. You don't get interlocutory appeal, uh, in this case, denying immunity in a criminal case, unless it's super duper clear that this is a strong immunity case. And I'm paraphrasing to make it, I guess, more digestible. That's really what we're talking about here. So it is an important issue that needs to be uh, addressed. And you're absolutely right. It could result in the case going right back. And, and you know what's funny to me, Michael, is that all these litigants, the government, the defense, even the courts, They're all dancing around the real issue in this case. They don't mention it really in the briefs. Maybe they feel like they can't. But the bottom line is this. This is only about delay. This is about the government fighting against delay and the defense fighting for delay. Because if they delay, they win in a way that no other criminal defendant has ever benefited from delay. And yet it's strange to me that we're just sort of nobody's really talking about that in the official proceedings. Danny, if you know, if Trump loses, he's got 45 days to ask for an en banc review when the the appellate process is over. He's whenever that is, whether it's after this stage or uh, an en banc stage, he's got 90 days to ask the Supreme Court. I'm sure he would wait until the 89th day. I'm I'm here to argue it's increasingly likely that this case does not get to trial before the election. What does Danny Savalos think? Uh, Danny Savalas is tired of everybody on MSNBC, all the anchors laughing at him when he says that these cases are all going to be pushed. Most of them are going to start in 2025. I was saying that in 2023, and everybody laughed. PC laughed at me. Dan Henning laughed at me. Everybody laughed they at me. They were laughing at you for different I, reasons. Now, Danny, Danny, they're I always laughing at you. Laugh at it you. has nothing to do with this. <laughs> no, but the point is this. Yeah, I mean, I look, I don't I can't tell you what will cause the delay in trial. And you know this as a trial lawyer. You just know that things happen, things come up. But you're exactly right. Folks don't realize that after this is potential en banc review, in which case, you know, a lot of folks don't realize that when you're in the at the Court of Appeals, you get a panel, you get three judges. And if you don't like what they have to say, you can ask the entire court to, to, to review it. Most of the time, the court will say, no, thanks, we're good. But not in these cases. And those every level of this causes considerable delay. And yes, you can point to situations uh, from the 70s in the Nixon cases or, or in uh, Bush v. Gore, where the Supreme Court got together in a matter of days and issued opinions. And you're right. They've done that. But more often, the norm is months and months and months to decide these cases. And so you're talking about just hard deadlines of and you're absolutely right. Trump will wait for the last possible day to file. But then you have that that amorphous number, which is, let's say, after today, how long is it going to take the court to decide? The answer right. is nobody knows. I don't care if you clerked on that court. You don't know for sure how long the D.C. Court of Appeals is going to take to issue an opinion. And that's in addition to all the other hard dates that you listed that will add to delay. So I stand by my 2023 position, which is take whatever date you think any of these trials are reasonably going to go and add four months. And guess what? We don't have four months left before the election. I mean, we do, but like we really don't have a window of four months that we can play with. The election is upon us, folks. 
excellent, sobering counsel. Danny, thank you so much for that. I know you want to get back to uh, to listening, and I'm grateful to you. What, TC? Thank you, Mike. Go, go Michigan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, What Danny. is wrong with Danny, you? Danny, I, I, Most I had importantly. Michigan, I had Michigan to cover. That was great. I wish the over had come in on the 57 points, but I'll take it. Well, I got to tell you, folks. I mean, Michael, I don't expect you to understand. I know at the University of Pennsylvania, you guys had your bow ties and your acapella groups and your wood panel rooms and cigars. And I know you hung out with Dan Aykroyd's friends from Trading Places. Remember those guys? I know I'm dating myself. Duke and Duke. Duke and Duke. Duke and Duke, yeah. So I know maybe college, the, the fanaticism of college football may escape me. Maybe you're an Eagles guy or a Phillies guy. But for, for us, we've been waiting 25 years, us Michigan alum. And I got to say, hail to the victors. I'm, I'm fine with it. I just wish it hadn't been a push between the over-under. Okay, TC's sick of hearing my, uh, my, my addiction. Danny, thank you. Get back to that argument. Thank you. All right, that's Danny Savalos, ladies and gentlemen. He does a tremendous job. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.